Basements and Pivots During Pandemic, Biotech and MedTech. And I have our honorable speakers today representing the investor community. It's Dita Okonda, General Partner at Global Blockchain Ventures. Ms. Mariana Silpizi, Founder and Managing Partner at HSMI Corporate Advisory. John Hackett, General Partner Healthcare at IZY Capital. Ashish Mittal, founder and chief mentor at Turning Ideas um, mm. Ventures. Sharon Liu, managing partner at World 18th Ventures. Neha Tana, principal at Joins Partner. Televalery Onu, uh, co-founder and chief governance mm. officer at Beyond Capital Markets. Sierra Chun Choi, uh, director of marketing at White Lake um, Strategic Advisory Group. And... Andy Lian, Intergovernmental Blockchain Advisor and Chairman for Asia at Decent Foundation. Our participants for um, pitch competition in the second half of the events include Patty Oliver, CMO at Stable Essence, and Dr. Seifur Khanderke, Founder and CEO at Fema Cash. So we start with a brief introduction of our investor participants, and I will give an uh, each of you a word to briefly introduce yourself and your companies. Sharon, could you please join our panel discussion with a brief intro on yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Sharon and uh, I am from World 18 Ventures. Uh, we are based in Kuala Lumpur. Um, what we do is we actually are more like an advisory that uh, connects the startups that are scaling up uh, to institutional investors. So that's basically what Volta Team is about. Yes. Thank you, Sharon and Sierra. Uh, first of all, thank you to Valentin and Dimitri for having me as part of this panel. And also thank you to Elena for coordinating this event and Nadia for moderating. So I'm Sierra Choi, Director of Marketing and Senior Analyst at the White Lake Advisory Group based in the UK. I'm com currently coming live to you from South Korea. So we primarily work with startups to gain traction and as an advisory, help them secure capital. In the past, we've worked with companies in the energy, fintech and biotech sectors. And my specializations are in marketplaces, education, biotech and medtech. Uh, my colleague also works with a 50 million private fund that invests in late stage companies that have at least an annual revenue of 10 million. Thank you, Sarah and Dita. Yeah, good morning from Florida. Uh, I'm the general partner of Global Blockchain Ventures. We are a blockchain focused venture fund and investing in uh, blockchain enabled application and healthcare, IoT, AI, and other. Uh, so, my partners and I, we are, our background is uh, we have been executive in the corporate world. So, I work at IBM, Mattel, and Tech Data. My partners work for Disney and NASA. And so we, we are engaged in the blockchain space since 2019. In healthcare, we have uh, written a book, which we announced last year, Blockchain and Healthcare, with 50 co-authors, uh, announced at HIMSS. I'm also a founder uh, and managing partner of Merging Minds International, which is a global market uh, accelerator for European companies who want to enter the US market. And yeah, that's a background and today we want to discuss the, the very critical phase where we are all in with the corona uh, infection and how 
does it shake up the investment landscape as a startup in healthcare? Thank you. Thank you, Dieter and Andy. Hi, I'm Andy Lien from uh, Singapore. Um, I usually base myself um, uh, overseas in Japan and South Korea, but right now, you know, I'm based in uh, Singapore because of the uh, COVID. So um, on, a, on a more personal basis, I'm actually an intergovernmental, organ, uh, intergovernmental advisor. So we give uh, advice to uh, government uh, on, a, on a personal basis and also on a more uh, intergovernmental level. So I give advice to 22 countries um, and we look at how we implement blockchain. And uh, on the side, I'm a private investor that is uh, that has been placing a lot of uh, different uh, uh, funds and companies together uh, for the past uh, 10 years. And uh, for the last three to four years, we have been very active in the blockchain circle, uh, medtech, su supply chain, uh, IoT, uh, and so forth. I am also the uh, chairperson for Descent Foundation, uh, a company that is uh, set up in 2015 that provides a lot of uh, different uh, blockchain solution uh, in the European market. And um, happy to meet all of you. Thank you, Andy and Massimiliano. Hi, this is Max. Massimiliano is too long, understand. So Max is perfect. I mean, uh, I'm the founder and managing director of HSMI. We are Pretech with MA and Venture Capital Boutique. So we are pretty much agnostic and we work on behalf of many startups worldwide. Uh, I'm an angel, um, again, investing broadly in all sectors from hardware to software. Uh, as we are now setting up our venture capital fund and in a healthcare division, we are very focused on now understanding how the biotech, um, life science, healthcare more broadly and medtech are evolving because you know, we want to deploy at least 20, 30% of the fund in this sector. And that's it. Uh, thank you, Max and John. Thank you. I'm Joanne Hackett. I'm here uh, representing IZY Capital. I'm the general partner for healthcare. Uh, we're an advisory and private equity firm. And we really believe in the founders. So we spend a lot of time becoming partners with the people that we support, uh, helping them raise capital, as well as doing a bunch of advisory work. And for us, the um, what we're seeing now in the market, which we'll get to discuss today, is some really creative ways that people are thinking either about repurposing technology or doing something completely different. And I think the exciting thing is looking at individuals who come up with great ideas and help them bring them to success. And so we specialize in partnering with individuals who really want to take their dreams and make them a reality. Thank you, John and Ashish. Good evening from India. My name is Ashish Mittal and I'm the founder CEO for Turning Ideas Ventures. Uh, we are an early stage fund and a venture studio. So uh, broadly what we help is uh, partner with founders and co-build with them. So uh, massive talent in India. So the objective is we uh, get onto with the founders, uh, do the ideation, validation, and help them uh, create the first set of MVPs or prototypes which can be funded. Uh, apart from actually putting money, uh, we are basically domain agnostic, uh, but we pretty much uh, uh, work a lot on health tech and med tech businesses. Uh, globally. Uh, so a uh, lot of global founders reach out to uh, us for partnering with the product development 
uh, as a venture studio. Thank you, Ashish. And Neha? Yeah, hi. Oh. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Neha. I work for uh, Giants Partners. I'm an investment partner um, at Giants Partners. We invest in the US, Europe, and Asia. Our sole focus is the science and technology of health and happiness. Uh, I'm an MD by background and spent many years in the uh, well, clinical and life sciences uh, background. We're an early stage investment firm, so we make maybe one to two investments um, a month. Um, and we focus on everything from life sciences, food and drink, water, energy, anything with a strong uh, scientific background. Thank you. Uh, Tally? Okay. Okay, uh, we'll go um, to the first round of questions. Uh, and the first question to all of you would be, uh, are there recent cases of investments on your side or something you would like to share? Um, Andy? Hi, sorry, I'm just unmuted myself. So um, I think recently there are a lot of uh, uh, companies uh, coming forth to us, um, basically on a two front. One would be more on the games uh, industry. Uh, I, I, I sort of shared this um, uh, some, some weeks back at, uh, at a similar event. Uh, the other one would be more of medical. So, so far we have uh, people coming to us, you know, looking at uh, investment related to med tech. Uh, and I think one of the more immediate uh, companies that we will uh, put our, our own money in is uh, something to do with uh, telehealth. Uh, this is quite an old, uh, old industry or, or, or something that's not very new. But uh, in, 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 a, in the eye of um, investors like myself and uh, my group of uh, friends, we actually see this as something that we could implement uh, this very fast. So this again goes back to, uh, to the background where, where I, I started from uh, about uh, eight years ago. I started off uh, investing into uh, traditional medical related uh, businesses. So we own uh, clinics, we own like physiotherapy uh, therapy clinics and so forth in Singapore and, uh, and in Hong Kong. And um, we realized that, you know, during times like uh, COVID-19 where a lot of these clinics are deemed as uh, non-essential. Uh, I'm not sure why, but but uh, in in the longer run and so forth, you know, where we, we are not sure how long this whole virus or pandemic is going to last us, you know, we, we are looking at uh, other ways to help some of these patients or users uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting good medical advice. So one of the, the companies that we will put our own money in will be on uh, a more telehealth uh, related. And also at the same time, we are working with a couple of other uh, vendors uh, in, in Singapore to provide some uh, uh, remote healthcare services and some um, you know, urgent, uh, more essential uh, medical services that, that doctors can actually go to their uh, home and premises to give uh, uh, some sort of a treatment. Um, so, so I think for us, it's, uh, it's, it's fairly straightforward. You know, as an investor, we want to see some good money uh, churning out from, uh, from these uh, current times. And uh, we have been very practical in a lot of our approach uh, in terms of uh, investing into companies. You know, um, we, we have been looking at quite a number of uh, other uh, businesses as well. But at the end, we are 
just trying to be more practical, saving a lot of our own bullets and uh, putting our money into places that we think that we could uh, excel faster uh, as compared to a lot of other businesses who came to us, you know, um, and, and that's how, that, that, that's one of the latest uh, investment that is uh, medical related that is uh, on our table right now. So we are going through the, the due diligence work. Uh, we are also going through a lot of, uh, 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 a lot of all those different prospecting that they have um, told us about. Um, so to us, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a good uh, go ahead. And we love to be angel because, um, you know, we put in a good amount of money to get back uh, a, a, a better return if, if possible, you know, uh, from, from uh, startups that are very much uh, inspired by their own uh, mission and also very passionate to push uh, some of their ideas across. And another thing that I, I want to also put forth is that um, the, the, the reason why we also uh, want to invest into their platform is because um, that platform itself is uh, free from doctors. So a lot of all these ideas and so forth comes from users, patient, and uh, of course, uh, business person. You know, they see this more from a business aspect and they do not want a lot of uh, other really strong medical professional to come in and give advice because when they come into a picture and uh, uh, invest or, 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 or um, you know, give advice, there's always a, a, a chance of a conflict of interest. So, so the reason why we pick them uh, out of uh, the seven uh, projects that is already on the table uh, is because they are very much independent and they have a very clear uh, route to, you know, for, for, for us in terms of investor, getting our, 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 our investment back. So that's, that's what I want to share, man. Uh, thank you, Andy. Sharon, would you share your case? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, basically what we've done is actually we just completed the deals that we were looking into in 2019 that flow over to 2020. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, we took a step back just to evaluate the situation and to see like um, what are the companies that actually needed help and uh, whether the founders had a longer runway and things like that. We also watched the other markets as well. Um, our colleagues in China and in the US both reported that um, investments globally for the first quarter, um, this is statistics from May 25th, just this week, 30% um, of um, the investments has not, uh, um, comparatively to 2019, the same quarter, um, investments are down by 30%. So um, having said that, um, I think we also spoke to, as an advisory, we spoke to quite a number of other investors in the market as well, and trying to gauge um, what directions are people heading to, are they um, you know, stopping investments in um, things like uh, transportation or hotels and things like that, because this is the hardest hit industry. Uh, and are they like pivoting to look into other industries? So yeah, I think in the very hard hit industries, a lot of people are looking to see um, how they're going to adapt to the new norm. Um, and there is a lot of uh, interest in medtech and biotech because this is something that is in the forefront and every single investor wants to see uh, how they can help. And of course, how do they make money out of it? So there are quite a number of uh, um, startups, I may say, 
that have kind of pivoted in that sense to 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 um, sort of there's like a healthcare startup which they were doing home testing kits and stuff like that. So they pivoted and they have um, started to scale up productions of COVID nineteen test kits instead. So these are the companies that uh, in the in the, in the, in the almost immediate future that we wanted to um, be part of so that we'll be able to catch on with um, what's going on in the market. And um, the other thing that I actually wanted to point out is actually um, being investors themselves. Um, I know there's quite a number of VCs uh, who actually has uh, closed their uh, fundraising round um, with the LPs um, that they were talking to in 2019 and they basically closed either in December or in January of this year. And when the pandemic hit, they just kind of like um, said that we have to be very careful with how we invest because everything is changing. Uh, people's lifestyle is changing as well. So most of them are working very closely with the founders, supporting them in terms of uh, helping them look, relook into their business models and things like that. At the same time, they are still kind of like sitting on what we call the dry powder. They're not investing anything. Uh, and among ourselves, we have been discussing that when would be the right time. So nobody could really say when the right time is because nobody knows what's going to happen next. Uh, but like right now, when most of the economies around the globe are starting to open up, I think a lot of investors will start looking into deal sourcing, um, the newer deals. And, um, and, and uh, probably by August, like the third quarter of this year, um, they can't sit on the dry powder for too long, so they have to start investing. And I think a lot of things will be, if, if you're looking at a fun, um, how do you say that, um, like a fun mandate, probably the mandate would have changed because um, a lot of things that they thought were going to be profitable may not be profitable anymore. So they would probably look into things that are, that are relevant and uh, what's in the new lifestyle with the people and what's the new norm. Um, yeah, so, so in that sense, I think, yeah, that sums up what I wanted to say. Um, what are the investments that we have looked at? Um, there's also another thing, like we were actually um, looking into um, the investments of a data center, which uh, uses AI and supercomputers um, back in 2019. And uh, we were closing this deal and they had to pivot as well, even though that um, their business model were very good um, in, in the sense that they were building supercomputers in the data center. Uh, but most of it were now used to, uh, to, to research in biotech uh, researches and things like that, rather than what they initially were planned for. Yeah, so these are some of the changes that we see happens in the startup right now. Yeah, that's it. Thank you, Sharon. And mm -hmm. Dita, would you also share if uh, there are recent cases of investments? Sure. Uh, at GBW, and also together with our partners, we are real... Uh, focusing on global collaboration. So we are partnering with a, with a lot of uh, global ecosystems in the healthcare space. And based on our background that we are living in the US but come from Europe and other places, uh, we have uh, to, to get the highest return for our investors and the most value for our startups. We connect and collaborate startups with corporates because 
we are all serial entrepreneurs and corporate executives, so we have the possibility uh, to get to, to uh, high-level people at corporates, which could be an exit in the future, but also could uh, get innovation from our startups to get pilot installation. So some of the, uh, and then we, we like to connect with other healthcare uh, VCs and ventures. And so one, uh, one of our partners uh, just announced and started a new healthcare fund in Europe, which will be about 100 to 150 million uh, euros. Uh, they are based in Germany and Switzerland and focus on healthcare. And we are then taking the investments from Europe and have two partners, one is in China and one is in, and we are representing the US and bring and help the startups to scale after they, of course, has uh, have created traction in the home market and scale then to the US and to China. And this is what we like to, to, to build global companies even out of Europe. So our latest investment in uh, GBV is Consensus Health. Consensus is a spin-off of Consensus, which is the largest digital health ecosystem for the Ethereum platform. So one of the founders uh, is, is uh, or is the founder and CEO uh, has been at Consensus, and we we put a, a spin-off together to build a very large ecosystem for for healthcare, and we invested uh, during the uh, Corona uh, virus pandemic situation. We are also partnering and connect two big uh, healthcare, digital uh, healthcare ecosystems. Uh, in one of the biggest in Europe, healthcare clusters, Medica Valley, headquartered in Germany, surrounded by corporates for uh, IoT, medical devices, which I collaborate, but there are research partners, there are universities, there are hospitals, and we connect them with our own medical um, cluster here in Florida, which is a medical city in Orlando, which is also connected to, uh, to the Space Coast for healthcare in space in the future, and then also to Tampa. Mm -hmm. and we collaborate these two clusters and help them to get together with universities, research corporates uh, like Siemens and others, pharmaceuticals, and foster and invest in healthcare innovations to fix global problems. So we think that's a powerful setup and it's necessary. And so the corporates, as we all know, they need innovation because most of the big corporates are not innovate anymore. And we bring, and the, the startups which we invest in and which we support, they need customers, they need larger hospitals for their pilots. And, and this way we can get the best out of two worlds. So we think uh, we, we get a lot of applications at the moment uh, during and after the corona uh, from Total New World. And there was a nice article, one from a guy, and I think it was from Pittsburgh, uh, writing about that the whole digital health will move into, the, he called it the healthcare Amazon moment. Uh, so telehealth is huge. And, and this is why we like Florida, because as you know, we, we not only have the most uh, older population six months of the year, uh, in the winter time when they move all from the north to Florida and, and uh, Gather in their retired communities and during Corona, nobody could get out. So we have a community in also Orlando with 50,000 people living there, 65 and up. So telehealth will be a big where we will invest and in looking at the best potential customer uh, client uh, startups. We think that virtual care will be big. Uh, 
supported with AI and other technologies. And this is where we, where we are looking at the moment. So we just brought a company from England to the US, a company called Vitabeam. They have uh, created a system where, as, you, as we all know, there's a lot of food waste and food is, uh, food is when you go to a big retail store or fresh food or even in, in, uh, in food plants, there's a lot of waste because of bacteria and mold. So this guys from England startup has created a system where we get all the bacteria out of the food and the, the food can be two or three days longer on the shelf. So this kind of innovations we like. So we get uh, companies out of Switzerland, from Italy, from France, from Germany in the moment, which we are analyzing on-demand diagnostics for uh, our trial population, uh, included with variables. We get companies who are creating very small portable CT scanners. Uh, we have company from Finland, who has a pre-diagnostic diabetes prevention and using thermal imaging technology. So a long list, and, and as we are a young fund, we have to invest our money. And the trend is that the bigger fund are watching their portfolio companies and look what do they have to invest to follow on investments. But the young funds, and, and I saw that we have about 10 to 50 new funds started the last 12 months, which are 150, 200 million out of Europe, different areas, but most of them are also looking at healthcare. And they all have to invest because our investors and LPs expect from us that we invest their money, not keep it in the bank. So that's good. It's a, it's a time for young funds. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dieter. And Max, could you also share the cases of your recent investments? Sure. I mean, I've been I mean, talking about healthcare, medtech, medical devices, life science, biotechnology. I mean, we are living probably the most fascinating time ever. We are speeding technology I mean, so much, but we take in one year we're doing what probably could be done in 20 years. And there are sectors which I'm looking very closely, which is, for example, telemedicine, uh, all technology applying to, which is old fashioned, how, you know, to uh, talk about, for, for example, talk about general medicine. We still go to the doctor, uh, we still need to get out from home, regardless, COVID. This kind of stuff for me makes no sense anymore. But you should be able taking your device and talking to your doctor 24 hours. And I do believe, for example, that there are part of when we there are part of the medicine and even general medicine where we can absolutely doing with AI, machine learning. So and this is very fascinating. I mean, we. It is, it's, I love it because we can in somehow democratize uh, the health that it's very important. And also when it comes to biotechnology, for example, I mean, I'm an engineer, I'm not doing any bio investment now. Uh, also because, I mean, biotechnology, it's very capital intensive. So you know that, you know, if you start today, you have a lot of money to follow up with this guy. But I mean, uh, we've been talking about vaccine for the last three months. I mean, every day when I wake up in the morning, we talk about vaccine. And what really fascinated me now is the RNA technique. And why? Because, again, uh, this, mm, this kind of investment takes forever. I mean, and, but 
I mean, if one day uh, we should be very, we should pay attention a lot in this kind of stuff. If one day we can create an RNA vaccine where it can be universal vaccine, we have done the job. We don't need to spend any more 10 years, millions, billions. And, and of course, you're losing life because anytime we are late, we lose millions of life. There is nothing to do. And COVID is just an example. So COVID taught us a lot. We are behind, behind the curve, much behind, where we are very much behind the curve. And we need to speed up. We need to create something that, a vaccine that you know, is not needed to pollute your body. Actually, your body is going to react and find a solution. This is unbelievable. I mean, uh, when I start researching from RNA, I was astonished. I mean, I couldn't even believe that you can, you can give a signal to your body and your cells can create a vaccine by themselves. This, I mean, I, I was absolutely, wow, what's this? And I'm not a, a scientist, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm actually, I'm a financial guy. So I've been spending all my life in finance, I mean, I protected it. When I moved to venture capital, it's been something great for me. I mean, finance is very, doing almost the same stuff every day, yes. You can merge company, you can buy, sell, but it's pretty simple. When, when it comes to venture capital, it's much more fascinating. It is where you, today, yes, it's very sad because I mean, too many people are dying. But in terms of technology, and technology applying to medicine, healthcare, whatever it is, it's unbelievable. I've seen so many projects in my life. I mean, of course, uh, for me, as I said to all the founders, sometimes maybe it's rude, but for me, it's, the, it's, my, it's my opinion. But for me, it, it is what I'm standing for. Idea, idea, simple. I mean, you can wake up in the morning, have 10 ideas. And we have millions of ideas, but I know maybe 1%. Uh, succeed, 99% fail because as I said to everyone, your idea is nothing if you don't have the right execution. So, and, but yes, I mean, I'm seeing so many ideas, it's almost impossible to evaluate all of them. So I need to say no to many, uh, only just for start talking. But yeah, I mean, I do believe we can't waste this time. We, we as an investor, also as an advisor, we should give this guy the right advice and invest in the right people that can deliver. Uh, if you don't have the right team, I mean, you can have the, great, the greatest idea in the world. You're not delivering anything. And if you don't have enough money, again, you can, have, you can be the smartest guy in the world. You are not going to deliver anything because you don't have enough money. Uh, you, can't, you can't twist, you can't change, you can't do anything. <laughs> That's the point. And as I said to all the guy, there's a great idea. But if you don't have enough cash in your account, then you can start changing and uh, adapting your business model which is can be written and followed, but has to be changed probably on a monthly basis. You, can, you know, you can't go anywhere. It is why the big guys succeed, because they have enough, they have too much money and they can make a lot of mistakes and still survive. Amazon, the Uber, all these guys. But coming back to um, medtech and biotechnology, uh, yes, I mean, um, we hope we can start investing in 2021. Uh, COVID has been quite tough in terms of progressing, very tough. We had to stop completely for three months. And, but I decided to um, create the Venture Capital Fund because I'm very much in healthcare and I do believe investment can be just invest the money, get three, five times, and that's it. Again, <laughs> it's not simple, but it's not enough. For me, 
for example, we decided to invest 20, 25% of the fund in healthcare, 20, 25% of the fund in uh, e-learning, uh, all comes to education. Because I do believe if you invest in healthcare, you give back to the people, regardless. If you invest in e-learning, you give back to the people because I do believe we need in any way to democratize health, health and uh, education. Um, yeah, that's it what I'm doing. I'm talking to a lot of guys. I'm not investing as an angel now uh, because I'm still watching and see, it's been a very tough time three, for three months and we need to understand where the market is going. And also when it comes to biotechnology and med tech and telecommunication in delivering medicine, I mean, they are all absolutely overvalued for me because yes, today, uh, this guy they're getting 20, 30, 40, 50% up valuation. We are trading 15, 20 times revenue. This is absolutely too much. Also because we don't know where, where we're going. So if you're investing today with a market cap twice, maybe next year the bubble is going down and we'll bust a little bit and you don't have enough done. So yeah, it's, it's a very fascinating time in terms of investment. I do love it, although <laughs> I'm still home and locked down here in London, beautiful city, I can't see anything now. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, 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 very, I'm very positive in terms of uh, where we are going. Uh, but of course, we've done nothing and we, we need to do a lot with helping this guy, investing in the right guy, because that's the point. We need to invest where are the right funders and not only the right idea. Thank you, Max. And Teddy, could you please introduce yourself and um, share with us some recent cases of investments on your side as well? Hi, I'm Talionu. I'm actually based in St. Kitts and Nevis. So I guess I'm the only one here from the Caribbean. Um, so I represent uh, two firms, uh, Beyond Capital Markets, which is a digital market finance alternative investment a company focused on digital assets and specifically financial market infrastructure. And then I'm also the managing director for Pro House Labs based in Miami. It's a um, FinTech and wellness incubator. So um, my role, um, what we're seeing now, especially in the area of alternative investment, obviously in the last three, three months, ever since the pandemic, um, we had already started focusing a lot in the area of wellness and, and, and different tech uh, around wellness. So we already started to see a, a trajectory and an emergence of solutions that sort of solve problems. And a lot of the um, solutions end up kind of intersecting with finance. So a lot of insure tech uh, applications which is needed. And then we've also started, uh, ever since the pandemic, we started getting requests for uh, people, uh, companies who are doing contact tracing, especially. And very specifically, there's really an opportunity in a little bit more R&D, but around the area of testing. So these are the trends we've started seeing. Um, our focus really, we have managed funds. So uh, Pro House Labs has an incubator fund. And then we've also started looking at um, incorporating in, 
as, as alternative investors, incorporating private debt as well. Um, what we've seen is a lot of companies still have, while they've received investments, they still need a little bit of um, runway in, in order to grow faster. And venture debt seems to be an emerging uh, area. So we've, we've partnered with a number of insurance uh, firms to actually provide that sort of capital. Um, my background, um, I'm a digital um, economist and over 19 years I've been uh, involved in digital financial transformation. Um, I'm also uh, in the area of finance, I'm also a climate finance uh, specialist and I have an undergrad in medical sciences. So I kind of uh, have a more appreciation of what we're, we're kind of facing and what we're going through and what the um, projections, for what, what the landscape is for the future. Um, focus really is a lot in, well, a lot of people have been focused around uh, identification. I don't think there has really been an emphasis on, on how to, um, really work with medical records. So we've seen, you know, in the last year or so, we see a lot of companies trying to deal with the issue of decentralizing medical records, but for, for whatever reason, they haven't really looked across the value chain. So I think there's still more, there's still a lot more done. And so we find in this space, um, working also as an incubator is actually an opportunity for them to continually search their models. I hear what Ma um, Massimiliano was saying is that, you know, without finance, it's really hard for them to kind of move. But the, at the end of the day, they still have a lot more uh, R&D to do and they need to have room to fail. So these are areas we're working in, um, in our space. And we're working across with uh, service, uh, with different companies, uh, not just in, in barely even in the Caribbean, it's more, there are no more North American European companies and, and a lot of startups also emerging out of Africa as well. Thank you, Tali and Ashish. So um, I think these are the most interesting times uh, for us, uh, we being a developing nation with a billion plus people, I think suddenly, uh, We've been very focused on healthcare, uh, medtech, uh, biotech investments. Uh, right now, we kind of engaging uh, two or three broad areas considering the pandemic situation, uh, which uh, include things like uh, remote healthcare, telemedicine, contactless diagnostics, uh, massive population in the country. And we are looking for innovations. Uh, in fact, global innovations, not only focused on India specific innovations, uh, global startups who can actually solve challenges around how can we provide a, a very, very cost-effective telemedicine capabilities uh, to doctors as well as the remote, uh, remote locations uh, which have a fairly low internet penetration or a low bandwidth infrastructures. Apart from that, I think uh, uh, diagnostics have been becoming a very, very interesting space, not only from the COVID standpoint, but uh, right now, as we speak, we're evaluating uh, uh, startup in the uh, diagnostic contactless diagnostic space, uh, 
which is talking about how can you actually share radiology reports uh, through cloud and very, very fast rather than actually taking the reports from one physician to other, uh, getting second uh, opinions uh, fairly fast across the globe. So I think those are the two or three uh, clear areas uh, which we've seen uh, uh, massive traction. Uh, there's a massive uh, interest from the government side also in how can we solve these uh, uh, large population challenges around uh, remote preventive medicine, uh, remote monitoring of health, uh, which includes both, both COVID and non-COVID scenarios. Uh, the way uh, I think the way uh, we evaluating uh, investments right now is clearly not getting any immediate uh, returns. I think the our, our time frames have we kind of reframed it. Uh, now the investments are clearly three to five years. Uh, that's the lens which we are looking most of the new ideas or the new startups with. Uh, as we are a venture studio as well, so we work very closely with the global startups in building or co-building the product. So a lot of our domain knowledge and uh, very, very India-specific problems, the issues we've been trying to build together with them, validate with the uh, hospitals, validate with the government, some of those scenarios. Uh, if you ask me, uh, some of our investments, uh, I think we've not written any checks in uh, uh, last few months, uh, considering COVID situation, but Clearly, I think what uh, we believe is uh, uh, because our, some of our existing portfolio investments really needed support in terms of the runway. And as Telly mentioned, uh, uh, we kind of opening up for uh, some of the debt syndication uh, to actually give them enough runway so that they can actually traverse these times too. But having said that, I think uh, what we're seeing is, uh, and that's what we're uh, helping uh, the current portfolio company and the new startups too is uh, with the fact saying that uh, how I had we have a star, uh, supply chain investment on the last mile delivery, so can we actually leverage them and match them with maybe a, a pure diagnostic uh, solution, and can they actually marry together and create a, a last mile contactless diagnostic solution? Uh, for uh, remote corners of the country. So I think those are the kind of innovations. So a lot of uh, collaboration, a uh, lot of matchmaking is happening as we speak, not within our portfolio, but we kind of opening out and going out globally. Uh, and this is probably to all the speakers and the panelists as well. If you have any investment, which is kind of looking to uh, scale uh, with a very large number, billion plus people in this country, test out and scale the products, we're more than happy to actually get them into the India or uh, this part of the world. But beyond that, I think uh, what uh, will, and I, I sincerely think that this is a time of collaboration. So how can we actually help uh, each other or our portfolio companies? Uh, can we create more value by collaborating with each other or collaborating on the solutions area of our investments so that they can sustain, they can scale these times too. So that's uh, a quick summary of uh, our investment uh, investment style. I think we, as we speak, we are still in the due diligence. We are still looking at deals or uh, helping startups, but not more on the capital side. I think uh, what we're seeing is uh, helping startups create solutions and products which solve real problems in current situation and in the forecasted situation. 
Thank you. I think that's. Thank you, Ashish and Sierra. Um, as we've seen in what IMF chief economist Gita Gupinath has called our era, the great lockdown, I think we will see investment centered around food technology, gaming, fitness, and telemedicine startups. In medtech specifically, I think robotic applications to explore the future of medicine will be of great interest, especially those related to diagnosis, telemedicine, and rehabilitation. Um, definitely in Q1 of 2020, we have seen startups such as Keep Fitness raise 80 million at 1 billion valuation and Clear Labs, a biotech startup that analyzes food safety at the molecular level raised 18 million. And telehealth startup AMWell raised 134 million. So despite that in the global investment in health and biotech overall had a significant drop in funding, I think telehealth deals have doubled in the first quarter of 2020, um, just from you know, quarter four of 2019. I also think um, another sector that we find compelling are biotech companies that specialize in water waste recycling. One of the underrated projects that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation invested in more than a decade ago was recycling wastewater, especially in the development of high-tech toilets. And one of the biotech companies my colleague works with is based in Africa in the treatment of wastewater and distribution of water. Um, obviously, water is one of our greatest resources and the companies that are able to successfully recycle wastewater for mass distribution, I think will dominate the sector. Um, and um, another sector, as I think Ms. Tully O'Neill mentioned, is in decentralizing medical data. Often databases are not connected and it might be difficult to transfer medical information from one location to another, even in the same state in the United States. And I think companies that are able to use, utilize biometric data in order to immediately access medical information will become the future of how we actually access data. Um, and um, currently with companies such as you know, Twitter and Facebook leading the trend in remote work and allowing their employees to work from home permanently. I think in this great lockdown and even in the post COVID-19 era, investments in these sectors will continue to you know, have a rising trend. Thank you, Sierra and John. Thank you. I think the, the biggest things that we're seeing is obviously if you've invested in uh, companies that are in a sales cycle, that's actually a bit of a sticky thing at the minute. So I think um, a lot of firms are really putting a lot of resource in to try to help these companies kind of bridge the gap before they can obviously get back into a sales cycle or to do something different in the company. So we're seeing quite a lot of work in that uh, area. But where we see some quite interesting things is, as Sienna uh, pointed out, um, there are lots of investments currently happening in fitness, in food and in gaming. Um, and But from a healthcare perspective, if you think of that, all of those things do have application across healthcare as a whole. And I think the biggest thing that this uh, pandemic is actually highlighting is the fact that we all as citizens want and demand very high quality healthcare. And one of the underpinning facets of that, which was mentioned by many of the panelists, is the fact that data is at the heart of all of this, um, all of the different choices that we make and all of the choices that our healthcare practitioners make for us. And so being able to bridge that gap between things that are collected on our Fitbits, 
data that's collected at GP surgeries uh, or data that's collected at a cancer clinic, how can all of that come together to actually provide a more seam-free solution? And many people in healthcare systems often say, I want to solve a problem. I don't want you to give me a new problem. And so the problems that are needing to be solved today need to be COVID proof. So we're seeing investments in things that aren't just going to be around for the next six to 12 months, but they're actually going to be here for the long haul. And again, this comes into the things that are usually actually not that sexy, unfortunately. So I always refer to it as the plumbing. So how do you actually build uh, data lakes? How do you build uh, various ways to federate data? How, how do you do that kind of stuff? And it's, it's, it sounds very boring on the outside because you don't see a widget or a gadget or something quite fun, but actually those are the things that are really going to catalyze and change the way that healthcare needs to be delivered going forward. So it's quite refreshing to see that uh, citizens are taking a slightly different approach on data, data access, and data sharing, which is actually going to fuel these companies that actually have these really great ideas. And I think we're also seeing a lot of companies that have great solutions in a different sector realize that it's hugely applicable to the healthcare sector and they can actually pivot into that quite easily. So these companies that have done uh, various aspects of remote monitoring, not necessarily for people, not necessarily for gate analysis or various things like that, but they were doing it for a completely different sector. They can now actually turn that innovation into the healthcare sector without actually differentiating much in their company. So they are also COVID proof in the sense that while they have a sales cycle, for the product, they can actually repurpose that in a slightly different way uh, and sell it in, uh, into a different environment. So we're trying to support as many companies as possible that are trying to look under the hood and try to see how they can actually change some of the plumbing, if you will, to be able to make some innovations actually last for the long term. Um, very well aware of the fact that we are in a pandemic and we do need to be addressing some of those issues today. But for the companies that are starting today, unless they had a proof of concept, is actually quite challenging for them to get up and running straight away. So we're spending a lot of time in helping those companies that have a larger um, a perspective with respect to looking down the line a little bit longer uh, and helping them to actually get their products and services ready uh, to be able to be launched into the market. And again, going back to what colleagues in the panel were saying previously, we need to think about this as global. We can't think about this as small healthcare systems around the world trying to tackle it or small pockets of America or small pockets of Europe. This has to be thought of as a, a global challenge. And yes, uh, many of the small companies that we work with obviously have a very pointed solution, but how can we, and I think the responsibility does lie on us, how can we have better relationships and collaborations with others that can actually help us get those products or services transferred to different parts of the world. So I think that what we're seeing is a slightly different approach, um, both from investors wanting to look at that value add, that pipeline in a slightly different way, and also supporting companies that are actually looking post-COVID and also looking at um, doing a little bit of the heavy lifting and perhaps the non-sexy projects that are actually going to revolutionize healthcare the way that it is needed. Thank you, John. And now... Uh, yeah, hi, thank you. And thanks for everyone for their comments. Um, so I guess in terms of the question as recent investments and changes, um, I'm gonna answer the question from sort of two angles. Uh, one from sort of a healthcare industry perspective, uh, we've been focusing on health for a, a long time now, uh, as well as sort of other areas of uh, well-being. Um, 
Uh, and I'd, I'd say that actually the, the conversation in healthcare, both from a regulatory perspective as well as on the ground, has probably been accelerated by about five to 10 years. Uh, I think, you know, there's been a big push for telemedicine uh, recent in the last few years, but adoption and stickiness has been a huge issue. Whereas overnight, everywhere has had to adopt it. Patients have had to learn to use it. Doctors have had to learn to use it and be okay with it. Do I think it's going to be the future? I'm still hesitant. And that's only because there's only so much a doctor can actually do over video. You still need to touch the patient. You still need to take tests. You still need to examine them. And I think what's going to be interesting is what's going to land once all of this sort of dust settles post-COVID is really what a patient's going to be comfortable with and how do you get the best outcomes for patients. A cancer patient still needs to be seen. Um, people with blood pressure issues, monitoring issues still need to be seen somehow. Um, and so I personally think this is where technology could come in. I think technology could uh, remote monitoring, so moving care out of hospitals into the patient's home, removing care from hospitals to patients' phones, to community clinics, or out of even community clinics to homes. And I think that's the trend that I personally think will come moving forward. I think regulatory uh, uh, agencies and stakeholders will also have to have that, that honest conversation, which perhaps previously they had been uh, resistant to have, or at least slow to adopt. I think adoption and stickiness are gonna be the key for a lot of these technologies. From a biotech world, it's already been touched on some of the points that it's very capital intensive. Um, and that's gonna be a slightly tougher one. I don't think investments are gonna slow. We will always need therapies, we'll always need diagnostics. Uh, what may change is um, the speed of discovery. I mean, if we can get a vaccine out for COVID in less than a year, that's groundbreaking. Ebola took much longer than that. You know, um, vaccines traditionally can take up to 10 years to get to market. Uh, and if we can get a vaccine in COVID in less than a year, then that's gonna change the conversation globally. Um, to points that have made earlier about collaboration, yes, I think investors and uh, healthcare industry can come much closer together. It's traditionally been one of the last industries to be disrupted uh, or at least slowest to take it on. So from an investment strategy point of view, we have over 200 health-ish healthcare companies, including life sciences, diagnostics, um, all the way through to digital health. We also have food and drink and nutrition and alternative proteins um, uh, and water and education, but particularly in our health. Uh, I apologize for the noise. <laughs> that was a little bit unexpected. Um, we've actually seen 23 up rounds uh, in sort of series B and C, and we invest at the early stage. We invest with a pre-seed up to series A, and particularly in healthcare companies that have been innovative and got business models that will withstand the COVID crisis. I think that was a point that was made previously that it's not just a short-lived strategy, it's a strategy that has foresight and will sort of manage patients moving beyond COVID. Those are the ones that have gone on to raise series B, series Cs, and have had the over 100 million valuations. Um, I definitely think this is a place, I think fitness and wellness is suddenly gonna become a hot topic. Um, my only concern is will there be a buying frenzy and will that drive valuations up? And then there'll be a downturn because actually it was everyone just sort of acting more out of fear and not really looking at the tech and the science, but that's yet to be answered. Um, but I think we should watch it closely. And actually in terms of investments, we've made five deals in the COVID era, uh, not necessarily COVID focused, but we've seen really strong startups uh, rise to the occasion and perhaps uh, the weaker business model startups or the weaker founders have sort of uh, taken a break, taken the stop gap. Um, and so actually the quality of startups in terms of investments for us has been incredibly high. And that's ranging 
from the US, Europe, um, and Asia, not just in one particular continent. And one last point, um, I think the way that the industry is going in Asia versus the US is also very, very interesting. I think insurance has a big place uh, and they've been a lot more innovative in the Asia region and in the US, it's just been very interesting. There's been a lot of noise, but there's been slow uptake uh, in Europe. But again, I think that's gonna change in the next few months and it'll be one to watch. So yeah, thanks. Thank you, Neha. And um, we just have a final highlight uh, before we go to pitch competition. Just a um, couple of key uh, uh, key advice from your side, uh, maybe for the projects uh, in terms of how to make successful pivot in the current environment and for investors uh, for successful investment process. So just uh, in a couple of highlights, um, probably Max, could you share? I mean, in terms of, I mean, I can talk for myself. In terms of pivot as an investor, I mean, it's pretty much where the market is trending for the next five, at least five years, which is the time frame for me to get out if I want and if I need. And of course, I mean, we live in a tech era and there is nothing to do. I mean, the next 10 years will be all related to tech. And if you are not involved, you are not enabling your business with technology, we are probably almost dead actually with that almost and so uh, I'm, I'm not going to change my view on investments absolutely not uh, we already have um, very clear view for the next five years um, where as i said before we very much uh, believe that invest in healthcare and especially in medtech and any kind of uh, medicine can be enabled by technology and be cheaper and easier to use and reach everyone in a very short time. And uh, also um, uh, education. We do believe education has, is something that has to be addressed much more than is done so far. And for the next 10 years, <laughs> I do believe this is sectors that has to go. Now, how much is going to be the market and and so on devaluation is something we still we're still understanding and i love fitness so i always look fitness because this has been done this has been my life since i was a teenager and in terms of a startup again i mean if for me i do believe in true capital it's a cash game and there's nothing to do i mean a lot of when i talk to uh, a lot of guys and colleagues, whoever said to me, okay, you can actually run a company with a, a small amount of cash. I said, I don't know, I'm, I'm very concerned when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, we have, and I mean, it's pretty clear that I don't think uh, founders in the US are much smarter than the founders in Europe. Absolutely, I don't, I don't believe so. I do believe that when you have 100, 200, 300 billion account, you can make a lot of mistakes. I mean, Amazon has been a disaster. But now it's the biggest company in the world. The Uber has been and still a disaster in terms of cash flow. Um, we work. It's, it's better to not mention. But you know, you are, we are talking about guys who have billions to spend. Or how to compete when you have so much money? We uh, you don't have this level of amount of money. Can technology and can your ability uh, over to overcome? I don't think so. I'm very honest. I don't think so. And so, but you know, if you have enough cash, and probably you want many startups, they don't have so much, so much cash disposable. 
you need to very much focus on be very meticulous how you spend the money for any penny and you're spending get at least five times back thank you and tammy thanks well for us um just to echo what my colleagues are saying uh opportunity in med tech is really significant for us it's med tech insure tech um an area that people don't really look at is really reg tech because we're really transforming, looking at opportunities in the transformation of a traditional health sector that is really heavily regulated. So that means there's going to be a heavier emphasis on data protection and being able to, to maneuver between data protection and sharing is going to be an area of, of focus. So reg tech, Tech, tech technologies around, around that area will definitely be something that would grow and is critically important. Infrastructure, I think I heard uh, from our colleague in India that says, you know, one of the things of reaching the last mile is the infrastructure. So there is going to be um, an opportunity in terms of supporting the actual backbone that, that, that provides internet access. So innovations around there is something we're looking at. We're also looking at uh, innovations, around, um, innovations around infrastructure, another layer of infrastructure, such as the cloud as, as well as security. So because we also dabble into digital assets, we're also looking at custodial solutions because definitely uh, custodial uh, digital custody solutions uh, merge with uh, healthcare can actually provide extremely secure data protection. So these are areas we're looking at. Um, on the area of fitness, I think there've just been a lot of proliferation of startups in that space, but we find uh, there's going to be a growing opportunity for biohacking. So this is a, an emerging trend and we're looking at startups that are kind of doing things differently. Um, digital health, but also specifically focused on um, medical devices and digital health devices, especially for um, not just preventative care, but for uh, personal patient managed care is something that is growing. We've already seen um, existing companies who already had proof of concepts um, pretty much are doing pretty well right now. Um, it, things around trust is also another thing. Uh, issuance of CIT certificates uh, around your, your health status. Uh, if you've taken a, a COVID test and if you're free, because in the region where we focused heavily on tourism, so you're going to find that people are gonna to have to travel with their digital health certificates um, now and being able to prove it. So um, pretty much along the value chain, I would agree with uh, Massimiliano in terms of education. In order to facilitate any transformation, education is going to be a big area of opportunity. Uh, so we're looking at startups supporting education from this perspective of the adoption of these technologies and also from the perspective of um, 
uh, on the finance side in terms of you know the ins insurance type of solutions and other types of pipelines. So it is a wide area. I must say it's, it is going to be a whole new value chain, but it's a, it's a value chain of opportunities um, that, that can definitely um, allow them. So my last thing is, um, my advice really is really looking at those industries that were pretty much extremely high touch uh, and kind of moving them into a more remote low touch. Um, space. So those are the opportunities we kind of look at as part of our thesis. And of course, financial infrastructure. <laughs> Thank you. And um, uh, we go to the, our next session of pitch competition. Um, Buddy, are you ready? I am. Can you see yeah. me? Yes. Uh, yeah. Could you turn on the camera? Okay. There we okay. go. So you have your five minutes to go. With the... All right. Let me share my screen right now. Hold on one second. The name of our company is uh, Single Cent Coin Corporation. Um, and I'm just going to go through a couple of slides. And first of all, I'd like to say thank you for the panel. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, be able to present uh, LA Token. Uh, we're going to be a part of LA Token on June 15th. So this is very exciting for us. Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple of slides. So one of the problems. Well, you know, let's start off the problem. You know, the problem with uh, Black America is the global Black communities. Um, global Black, globally, you know, Blacks have the highest population of unbanked. Uh, black Americans have the lowest capitalized business funding. Um, black communities have the lowest amount of currency circulation than any other ethnicity. So what our goal of uh, Sable St. Coin Corporation is to um, give the uh, global black community a way to um, transfer money, um, give them solutions to banking, give them solutions to um, a lot of the things that no one has ever done. So our first solution is to provide a digital wallet system built on blockchain technology and an API for uh, black businesses. So they can transact amongst each other. Uh, one of the issues is uh, inside the black community globally, we have the lowest amount of current circulation. So amongst our population, you know, our businesses and consumers, once they spend money, it leaves the uh, it, le it leaves the, the ecosystem. So we're designing, we, we designed an API for black business so we can circulate that money. Uh, Stable Cent is a global online platform that creates opportunities exchange for Stable Coin and global commute, black communities. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're doing is uh, on a grassroots level, we're going into communities, uh, going to nonprofits, going to 
reach out to all forms of uh, entities and allow them to use our coin and circulate our coin amongst our businesses, positioning our token and major black communities and countries, creating an elective economic system of employment, generating liquidity of all products and services. As you know, a lot of countries around the world uh, have um, a lot of resources. They have a lot of uh, minerals, a lot of tools, a lot of things, but they're not able to transact. They're not able to move currency. So one of the things that our focus is to allow them to move currency. Um, so let's talk about the strength of um, the Black American African markets. You can kind of see right here. Um, in 1999, 1.5 trillion, but currently uh, we're spending, uh, the black um, population around the globe is spending $5.3 trillion. But that's not reflected when you look at uh, investment, when you look at uh, business ownership, it's not reflected in the uh, amount of uh, things that uh, production. So what our company's goal is to, let's try to um, help black population around the world circulate that money and bring that money back uh create opportunities for uh, black investors create opportunities for businesses create opportunities education and so forth our business model uh, we have we are launching the sac one which is a digital currency on la token uh, june 15th and um, the other aspect of our business model is the SAC wallet and prepaid debit card that transacts with the API, okay, that we're using with our black business owners. Um, how does technology solve problems? SAC one is a digital token, a blockchain that will be available to change on all platforms and all websites. The SAC wallet, okay, is going to be used by business owners. And one of the distinct features about our wallet system is it will allow um, black business owners around the world to find each other. So there's a registry. So when someone goes on our website, someone has a wallet, they can register their business and they can search and they find other businesses that are synergistic with their business in order to find them anywhere around the globe and they can transact with each other inside of our digital wallet. And what happens is our API is designed to create circulation in our global ecosystem of live businesses to accept our currency. Um, you know, other tokens and other platforms, obviously there's Bitcoin, you know, there's other black currencies out there, uh, Acoin in Africa. Uh, probably our biggest competitor is uh, PayPal, uh, a payment, payment remittance uh, company, because um, that's what Sable Ascent is, is that we're, you know, a company that transfers our income back and forth around the world. Uh, I have a story for you. Uh, about two weeks ago, my business partner needed to send money to a family in Jamaica. And it took him literally three hours to find somewhere that he could send the money to Jamaica. And you talk about old systems that are archaic that need to be disrupted. Uh, it's so hard to send money to certain areas of the world. And what our system will do is we're just going to make that a lot easier, like streamline and make that a lot smoother. Um, you know, why are we better with token exchange with other tokens? 
football and services black community. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do is uh, we're donating 2% of all corporate profits to nonprofits. Uh, inside the wallet system, nonprofits can also uh, sign up for free and they can link and connect themselves with other businesses to get donations, to, to get notoriety and so forth. Um, our marketing plan, we have a 12 and 12 global mission in which we are going to go to countries, talk about the mission. We have hundreds of businesses that are on board with already. The National Chain Black, Com of, uh, Black Commerce has 100,000 businesses in its directory. They have agreed to work with this to implement uh, own strategies, to implement uh, distribution of currency inside of their um, uh, businesses, uh, companies like Hype Magazine. Um, one of the things we're doing, uh, social, we have a social media campaign going out where we have over 10 million followers as far as with our business that have agreed to work with us, distribute to uh, their population uh, of, of people who are on Instagram. Moving forward, uh, we're launching our API to connect business on the globe in about six months. We have an affiliate program that we're launching in historically black colleges. Um, we have global partnerships, token ambassadors in each country, which our reach is up to 250 million. And like I said, our first launch is going to be June 15th on LA. This is our core team. Uh, we have individuals with uh, years of professional background, IT, uh, leadership, blockchain technology. Uh, I can talk about this page for 20 minutes itself, but just wanted to show you. Uh, we just don't talk about it. We have gone around the world. And we have met with uh, tons of people all over the world and spoke at conventions. And this is my uh, business partner and CEO of the company, Daryl Speaks. He, had to, we, he spoke at the UN about implementing uh, blockchain technology. So uh, we're not just out here and just launching this company, but we have gone on a grassroots level and really talked talk to messages around to big businesses, small businesses around the globe. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much, um, Mary. And um, we move to our next project is Seifu. Are you ready? <clears throat> yes. Okay, go ahead, please. Okay, go ahead, please. Thank you. Can you see my deck? Can you, can you hear me? Oh uh, yes, we hear you, but uh, yes, we hear you, but we don't. We don't see my deck. Uh, could you please share? Could you please share? Sorry, sorry. I need to share the screen. Let me share the screen. Okay. You see my screen now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, my name is Dr. Saiful Khandakar. I'm the founder and CEO of PharmaCash. PharmaCash is a global digital payments platform. We're based in, our headquarters is in Pennsylvania. And we have a subsidiary company in India and a subsidiary company in Bangladesh and a subsidiary in UK. We're a global uh, payment network. 
the problem. The problem uh, with sending money across border payments is still a problem. It takes a, a three to eight percent fee to send money from one country to another country, especially from, let's say, US or Europe or Middle East. And um, the problem, there are places where people have to go to the retail store or agent location to send money. And also there is a problem with the speed, how fast the money could go to another country. Our solutions, we have created a mobile wallet, which includes local payments, local P2P payments and international remittance and loyalty, and also a, a white level uh, platform. Uh, companies like PayPal, they have bought Venmo, Zoom, uh, and Paydian to achieve what we have from the single uh, platform, which is going to help us to give a better user experience, also better uh, upgrade and addition in the future. The results, we are live in the United States. Currently, we're doing P2P in the United States, sending money from one phone to another phone and also sending a remittance from US to Bangladesh. Uh, because originally I was from Bangladesh, so I have a lot of connection in Bangladesh. And also making the QR code payments in, in, the, in the US and sending airtime to 195 countries. We have 10,000 consumers download and um, we have 30 money agents in New York sending 30 million a year to Bangladesh. How it works, consumers sign up, they link their bank account, and they add the beneficiary. A beneficiary could be in the US or, or Bangladesh. Right now, international, we are doing Bangladesh only, but within the United States, anyone can send to anyone, and then they can choose the, the amount. Competition, we see the competition with PayPal and Alipay. Alipay is, is, a, is a better competitor because Alipay is going global. They're building networks in different countries across the globe. PayPal, PayPal is in the US big, but they really are not in different countries. For example, they are not in India, they're not in Bangladesh, they're not in Middle East, but we want to, we want to be everywhere. And timeline to success, we started the company in 2016. We designed the platform. 2018, we received a sponsorship from a US Federal Chartered Bank. We received uh, investment from uh, New York City Venture Capital. Uh, we formed a partnership in Bangladesh, uh, one of the largest national banks. And we went live and we have the 10,000 customer business model. We make money from every transaction, uh, $2 to $5. We make a margin from the foreign exchange, 2% markup on money transfer. Uh, selling airtime, we make 10%. Merchant pay, uh, we, we charge 2% processing. We, have, we are adding e-gift card, which will charge 5% and deals 10%. Our total available market remittance is a $650 billion market. Mobile payments, $1 trillion. Global business payment is 30 million, 30 billion, sorry. We are looking to raise a 5 million additional fund to uh, expand our company in uh, and buying a small bank in the United States, buying a, a small bank in Lithuania, and um, developing some new uh, services products. Roadmap for next five years, 
We want to launch this uh, in Bangladesh. We have a joint venture agreement with the national bank, largest national bank. Uh, we're targeting 20 million download in Bangladesh. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll launch this in EU countries, Canada, Malaysia, Singapore, and then Middle East countries. And also we'll be launching Remit is a blockchain uh, platform that, um, that uh, will have a borderless account. Uh, at the same time, we'll create an exchange platform in blockchain to settlement and um, these are the three, four products in our pipeline. Um, the team, I'm the founder and CEO. My experience, I'm, I'm a software engineer. Um, I have a master's degree in, in computer science and my bachelor's degree and PhD in business. I've been in the industry for 25 years, worked for a fortune 100 companies in the US. And last 10 years, I've been involved in the blockchain, uh, sorry, fintech companies. Alan is our director. He's an ex-Federal Reserve attorney. Michael uh, was my college friend. He's an ex-Federal Reserve uh, director of IT. Hossein is in our um, CEO for Middle East. We have a global management team. Uh, we have a CEO in Pharmacash in, in UK. And our software development and our team is in India. Board of directors, myself is the chairman, Gaurav. He represents the VC, Rabiul, and Hassan, they are all Angian investors. Board of Advisors, uh, Suchitra, she's the, our bank partner, president. David is an ex-PayPal director in UK. Jay Abraham, legendary uh, coach, speaker. Richard, uh, FinTech expert. Financial forecast, we're looking uh, this year uh, about 2 million revenue, and, um, uh, and by five years, we're looking 200 million revenue. Exit strategy, we're looking to go NASDAQ and or be acquired by somebody. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. So, um, so I, will, I will continue uh, with the Q&A session with our investor panel. So, um, Sierra, do you have any feedback on today's projects? All right, so I have um, questions for both um, Mr. Oliver and Mr. Uh, Kandanker. Um, so, so Mr. Oliver, I'm wondering for your business, are you creating a kind of credit unions for sort of exclusively the other black businesses um, using your stablecoin? And how does it differ from sort of a credit union? I'm wondering. That's, that's a great comparison. Um, actually, our business model does uh, have aspects of a credit union where uh, a business owner will have that opportunity to get um, funding for projects um, that a bank might not want to touch. So um, yes, it, it is kind of like a credit union in that aspect, but also it's a little bit more and I would say um, just your average, just your average credit union. Uh, when I think of credit unions, I think of uh, kind of localized entities. Uh, when I see um, our company, uh, it's a little bit more, it, it, I would say, expansive. But as far as the that 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 uh, level of touch, that level of impact in the community, I would agree 100%. Like a lot, like a credit union. 
where it has that level of touch, that level of connectivity, that level of uh, wanting to um, have that um, touch projects that maybe the traditional bank won't want to touch and, stuff and so forth. So I would agree. All right. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. And for Dr. Kadanker, I'm wondering, are you just, um, how do you differ from PayPal? Are you just creating a PayPal in India? Right, yes. Yes, we are, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, yes. Yes, so yes, we are, we are, uh, we are, we are creating the network, so, uh, our next launch is in Bangladesh, which is the largest um, 160 million people, uh, where they will be able to create the, the Pharma Cash account. And so, so then uh, from US to Bangladesh, it will be seamless sending money from US to Bangladesh is a wallet to wallet transfer with a single click. So the PayPal does not exist in Bangladesh, and people cannot create account, uh, PayPal account in Bangladesh. So that's just in one example. There are many, many countries in the world that PayPal, you cannot create PayPal account. And PayPal, uh, the fees are too much. And uh, so we want to democratize that. We want to make it seamless and, uh, and available in different countries where they can create account and then they can send it to each other. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Hi, I have a, a question for the first uh, presentation. Um, I wasn't very clear. You did. You kind of skimmed through your team, but I wasn't really clear on on the experience of your team. What experiences your team have in the area of banking? I didn't see any. I didn't see any um, explanation or a person who's responsible for actual transformation and how are you going to deal with people adopting also in your pitch you never uh mentioned uh guap because you're very you're very close to guap Gua, guap coin uh great great question um first i'll, I'll talk about the the um the team um my my ceo and founder his background is uh, he was the president of the NAACP for the southern region of South, of South Florida. So he's coming from the standpoint of uh, really giving back to the community. That's the whole emphasis of a uh, foundation of um, Save the St. Coin Corporation. Now, as far as the other members of the team, uh, dealing with uh, blockchain technology. My, our lead tech has um, five years um, in that in the technical space. He has multiple multitude of tech certifications. Um, our other lead tech, Melba, she has over uh, 15 years experience and she's worked for uh, Fortune 500 companies. Um, also, um, our influencers, uh, we talking AJ, he deals with, um, he has talk shows where he has a reach of over 100,000 uh, people that are, are globally in five countries. Myself, I have a, um, uh, a series of uh, financial licenses 
uh, in the financial area. I also have a, a tech background myself. So as far as the, um, the team, we have all of that covered as far as different aspects of uh, the financial um, being. Now adoption, I want to talk to you. Um, our goal is to adopt on a grassroots level. Uh, we have uh, token ambassadors in a multitude of countries around the world. We have token ambassadors, meaning we have people on the ground who are going to move the project forward, who have already bought in. We have a, a partnership with the uh, National Black Chamber, which has over 100,000 businesses that have agreed to work in one-on-one -on -one partnership with us to, uh, to create an adoption period so we can have that uh, business ecosystem and we can allow businesses to transact and so forth. We also have partnerships in Africa, we have partnerships uh, around the world that I didn't have the chance to speak because it's only five minutes. Um, that will give us that opportunity to uh, use, use our um, stable coin, SAC1. Um, now, the last question was, was dealing with uh, Guapcoin. Um, uh, Guapcoin, I, I, I see them in the marketplace. Um, I really don't, uh, I knew they launched about a year, year or two ago. Um, I don't, I really don't follow them that that well. Um, so, from a, an adoption standpoint, I don't know if their focus is the same focus as ours. Um, so, the one thing I want to talk about too is the market is massive. Um, there could probably be twenty five coins focused in that specific area. So, uh, when you talk about market penetration. Uh, there could be another 15 companies that want to do the same thing and we all could have success. It's just a massive market that's really been untapped that, uh, you know, it's just the market's too huge. So um, it's just, you know, not, not a lot of companies that have wanted to tackle that, that space yet. So I don't really see them as competition. I really see it more as cooperation where we could uh, work with each other because our coin is used to work with other coins so it's it, it'll work itself out thank you for the question i appreciate it thank you and dito yeah uh thanks again for the for the two pitches i like them both our fund beside healthcare uh, we think blockchain will play a big and important role in the future of fintech so we have done some investment in fintech we invested in a, a company called Mercury Cash based in Miami and Orlando, uh, focusing on crypto trading on its a platform uh, for Latin America and South American population. And we invested in an online bank uh, called the Medici Bank, which will more or less have the same little same business model like what, what uh, Fancash, Pharma Cash is, is doing. Uh, my uh, response is, you mentioned some competitors 
in your list, uh, Fema Cash. Have you heard about Transferwise, a five-time unicorn out of London? Have you heard about Revolut, a five-time unicorn out of London? Have you heard about N26 coming out of Germany now with more than 100 people in New York and they are exacting, exactly looking and are in this space? So I use both when I transfer money uh, to whatever, Singapore and the local currency, I can transfer money between US and, and UK or India or whatever for much lower and much faster than with any global bank. They're already in the market. So before you look into this, please look at this com potential competitors, not only mention Google Pay and Apple Pay. There's a lot of crowded uh, companies there who have raised hundreds of hundreds of million dollar transfer wise by the way the u.s headquarters in tampa here they had more than 200 people already that was my my recommendation recommendation thank you thank you thank you and thank you. Uh, yeah i had just had a, a similar question with deep data i think dr seifel if uh, you're thinking you mentioned about india expanding to india i think uh, one competition to look out will be Paytm. Uh, I think Paytm has grown fairly large for peer-to-peer -peer and both for retail. And they're going to, uh, and then the other thing, Geocache, which is coming up very recently with Reliance. Um, it's going to be a Facebook investment too. So uh, these are some of the interesting uh, competition to look out for and learning from them. I think uh, for cross-border, I think uh, players like Ripple, uh, should be very interesting to have a look uh, because they're doing uh, we're fairly well cross-border in India and globally at, at very, very low cost and fairly fast. Uh, can, I, can I answer? Sure, please go. Yes, yes, sure. Yeah, so first of all, uh, Dater, Mr. Dater from Florida, he said about all these companies, Revolut, um, and uh, transfer wise, I am familiar with all of them. I know the guys who started Revolut and um, transfer wise, I know World Remit, Remitly, you know, all these companies, they have raised huge money, 200 million, 300 million. And I know the Paytm also in India and, and obviously India, we are not looking to go to India right away because it's gonna take, you know, billion dollar investment to really reach the market in India where Paytm is a huge big, so we will be looking to that in the later stage. We have some, already we have 100 million commitment from a major investor uh, that are waiting for us to uh, go a little bit far. Uh, we have a commitment letter from him. So right now we are just uh, focusing Bangladesh is a 20 million target customers. And if, uh, you know, the 20 million customer, they will be the difference between TransferWise and us or Revolut. Yeah, us. We are going in a different approach. We're first starting with the P2P and uh, you know QR code payments. Uh, also, same time we are doing international. For example, TransferWise is not available in different countries where you can download TransferWise and pay a merchant, or you 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 can pay somebody within the country. TransferWise is more like you know from one way shooting out, but we want to be like you know be interoperable in different countries. So is is kind of the concept of you can say is a one app for global. Not only that, also we are tying into the retail payments uh, and helping solving the merchants' um, high cost processing of the credit card. So we are also looking at 
post credit card uh, payment system so there are you know huge uh, strategy behind it and i've been involved in this industry for uh, especially for remittance and and fintech for last 10 years and I, I read everything i went to a lot of different conferences i know exactly what's going on with all this n26 all you know the the digital bank uh, that you are talking about um Monjo and azimo you know all of those so uh, we're trying to make it, um, you know, we're, we're taking an approach uh, in a one country at a time. So we're live in the U.S. Now we're launching in Bangladesh. We have a national bank, which has um, uh, the largest national bank, which is um, second to the central bank of Bangladesh. They are, and we also get the endorsement from the Ministry of Finance in Bangladesh. And with this pandemic, you know, Bangladesh market grew like many fold, all the wallet because people cannot move. So they need to send money to each other for payments and the government also put for pushing the stimulus uh, 10 billion dollar fund and so all the companies like the new digital company digital payment company Nagod, they just grew like 20 million customers all over overnight so there are a lot of opportunity for this and also the connecting we are also planning to connect with all the different wallets so let's say us pharma cash will be connecting with the paytms and we connect we can connect with the alipay wechat we can connect with the global wallet so our goal is to reach 5 billion people into a, a, a very secured and very uh, cost-efficient manner. And in the future, we want to make it an instant transfer where we'll eliminate all the pre-funded needs for the current remittance companies. So there are a whole lot of things going on. Uh, we have just engaged an investment banker from Silicon Valley to raise 15 million. And um, we also got endorsement to go IPO, early stage IPO, so that we can get those capital. And I agree with this person uh, said, you need people, good people, and capital. You have good people, no capital, you cannot do anything. And you have good people, no capital, you cannot do anything. So we need both. Thank you. Okay, Tali, uh, you want to comment as well? Yeah, um, this is for uh, Saiful. I hope I'm pronouncing your name uh, properly. Um, well, congratulations on your traction for Famakash. Um, you're definitely solving uh, a big pain. Um, I have experience in payment innovation, so I know um, it's it's not an easy feat. However, as my colleagues have mentioned, there are other there are other startups in the space, and for the most part, a lot of them are doing what you're doing and have even innovated on it. So um, my comment would also be for you to really look at the different models um, my colleagues have shared. Um, also look at models like ADN as well. Um, the other thing you mentioned heavily in, 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 in your discussion is the whole issue of interoperability. I'd like to have a better clear sense of how, how you're addressing interoperability, one. And also you mentioned uh, in your timeline, you'll be incorporating the blockchain. Can you explain how that is going to happen now? Because in reality, the landscape for payments has changed drastically. They have a lot new payment uh, rails and also payment rails that have incorporated interoperability between uh, blockchain as well as um, fiat. So how are you going to address that and how? And then my last thing is on the issue of regulations um, especially in the US, how were you able to navigate that? And what are the possible, what, what are the areas you still have to iron out? 
Thanks. Yeah, you are right on the mark that, first of all, interoperability, for example, in Bangladesh, uh, PharmaCash we are launching next month, where the user, they will be able to send money from PharmaCash to other wallets. So they will be able to send to Bcash wallet, which has a 40 million user. They will be able to send it to the Nagod wallet, a 20 million user, and the Rocket, 7 million. So in a sense, we are saying that you can send from your bank account to all this wallet. Not only that, you can use your wallet in our app, your Bcash account money balance, you can use your Nagod wallet balance. So in this sense, sourcing of the fund, you can have all the wallets linked. And sending, you can have all the wallet where you want to send it to. So that's in, in Bangladesh. And we can take that approach. Right now, we're discussing with somebody from Africa who want to make it interoperable between all those countries. I don't know anything about Africa because I've never been there. But there is an opportunity to work with Kenya and Tanzania, all these seven countries together. So, you know, this app, can you can use it and you can send it and other apps. You can, we can integrate with MPAS and all of those things. So that's how interoperability is going to work. And for the regulation, it's very tough. It's very difficult to really manage the regulation. That's why we need to get some banking license under our belt. I'd be very interested with this gentleman who has this online banking license. We need some licensing agreement. I'm looking to acquire my own license also because the licensing is needed and we want to be compliant. So right now we are licensed to a bank in the US. Also, we are getting a license sponsor with um, another company, a multi-billion dollar company that has 40 country license. So they're going to be endorsing us with the license and they're going to provide us the ACH banking connectivity. All we need to push the product out and send it to all the distribution countries. And we are working with the new blockchain platform, which is going to be borderless account. Right now, we are looking to, uh, actually, we are looking another blockchain technology to implement our remit because I was going to build out the remit from the ground up, because right now I have the company, the bank in Bangladesh, which is a national bank with um, you know 1,200 branches. So I want to get the pilot from US bank to the Bangladesh bank on the blockchain ledger. And I want to bring all the bank, so everybody's in one ledger. Right now, there are like four or five steps to send money to the bank uh, partners, right? From our US bank, we send it to, uh, the that Bangladesh Bank in New York, their account, they transfer to Bangladesh, then money is distributed. So what if we put all this in one ledger so all the accounts are, transaction is created, as soon as the transaction is written, they know that I get the money, the bank get the money, and, and everything transferred, all the settlement is done. So doing that, I want to also create a settlement platform with a pilot of these two countries and then expand from there. Okay, thank, thank you. you. And John, thank you. And John, uh, do you have a feedback? No, I actually have to leave very quickly. And this is uh, my expertise is healthcare more so than it is this. Thank you. And Andy? Hi, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Um, I'm, I just want to say this in general because um, I've seen very similar projects that are around. I've seen the same pitching for almost a few hundred times, you know, for the past year. And if you look at the, the general uh, condition and the general uh, business sense, a lot of uh, business with this similar uh, uh, concept, they fail. You know, right now we ignore the fact about the team members and how much they want to raise 
Um, and of course, in terms of the technology-wise, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a no-brainer, you know. It, it's, 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 all, it's all doable. But the, the kind of money that you need to acquire a customer, you need to acquire a market, is extremely extensive. $5 million is, is, is not enough. I'm not sure about the first, uh, 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 first company, you know, how much they want to raise. But I just want, I just want to go back to the first uh, talk that I, I, I gave, you know. Um, we, we got to be very realistic, you know. It's, it's good to be comparing with uh, big boys like PayPal. Um, just, just for info, uh, I'm, I'm quite uh, active in the Bangladesh and uh, in India, Sri Lanka area. I think if I'm not wrong, uh, PayPal can receive funds. And then like uh, the gentleman in London has mentioned, uh, transfer-wise, I think they have a very good footprint and uh, their fees are quite low at 0.7%, if I'm not wrong. So coming back to the, the fact as a, as a startup, I think right now is the best time for you to collaborate, you know, be a, be a layer on top of all these existing big boys and give them the business. You take a smaller cut. This thing works very well uh, with uh, WeChat. You know, right at the very beginning, you know, my company did a lot of things for WeChat in Malaysia and Singapore. They want to capture the market. So at the end, their strategy is very simple. They capture the whole of Malaysia market. They get a lot of resellers, a lot of, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a separate uh, layer company, like a vendor to help them to grow their business. And some of these so-called small companies has already reached a uh, valuation of about 100 mil in Malaysia. So we, we just got to be very uh, 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 careful, you know, in terms of how you want to expand your footprint. Because as, as an investor myself right now, I just find that it's not exactly very feasible. And another comment that I want to put through is that, you know, if there's no need to have any uh, cryptocurrency or there's no need to have any blockchain to burden your, your current business model, don't do it, man. Because that is not going to help you in terms of getting money because investors that are very much into the space, they would have a lot of questions like, why not I just use XRP? You know, that's going to solve all my issues. Why am I going to use another startup payment? Um, and it might not be that reliable. Um, other issues like liquidity issues, users issue, custodian issues, license issues. There's a very long list of things that you need to do for, uh, especially for the second project. So my, my, my very, very sound advice is that don't, don't, don't just talk, you know, you got to just launch it. Um, and if your dream is way too big, I think it's very hard for a lot of investors to swallow this. Because after a while, you know, people who are investing in, in, in Bangladesh, they may not know actually how the whole space is like. You know, once they know how the whole space is like, they would, you know, they would, they would really think otherwise. So, so work we'll through your dreams uh, in, in small packet. And then if you can make it work in Bangladesh, you know, that, that would be great. You can make it work in uh, for the black community. I think it's good, but take step by step. And, and my very last comment is that, you know, if you are going to raise money through cryptocurrency uh, or through, through some form of uh, fundraise, I, I think it's going to be very tough because if you look around left and right, there are many, many similar projects that promise almost the same thing. And they might be talking about changing the whole world, so forth and so on. But most of them, most as in maybe ninety percent of them fail. So I, I hope you can you can you can size up your 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 this um your this whole whole business model and and that that could work 
for the short run for the short run. Yeah, Andy, I, I appreciate your comments. These are very valid comments. And I am also familiar with a lot of uh, companies, startups in my space. And I can tell you, like you said, 99% of them will not survive. I know that. Because it will take it takes a lot lot of uh, of energy to survive this company. The market is very saturated, so we have a strategy to how to tackle the market. We're also looking to expand into the remittance banking, the migrant workers banking. That's a space that nobody is doing tapping into, because the banking means like somebody from Bangladesh. He's working in Saudi Arabia. He was working in a farm. So what he does. 75 of, of his income he spends for his living and and 15% of that income he sends to back home his wife and kids and 10% he saves under the mattress so that after five years when he will go back to Bangladesh, he will buy a business with that 10% of savings. So we want to offer them the savings. Why you put it on the mattress? You put it in a, in a, in a nice, uh, secure environment where you should grow a little bit and it will be safe. It's, it's not in under the mattress. And we go back, you can avail those. So we are going to be like uh, connecting all the Bangladesh banks into product portfolio and offering. Already we have a lot of endorsement from the banks that they want to offer the housing loan for the expat Bangladesh. And the Bangladesh community alone is a bigger market. They're, they're, they yearly, they send $30 billion to Bangladesh, just the remittance. So we can tap into that. And, uh, you know, you said like uh, it will be tough to raise the money. Already raised five million dollars, and we have a lot of commitment, and we have a strong strategy. We're not going anywhere, and I agree that market is tough. But you have to have the right strategy. So we are bringing a lot of strategic people in the team globally to to make it scale the company. And I know exactly how to approach. And I know it's not going to be easy, and it's not short term. And um, there we have to be different. We cannot be just like another, you know, transfer wise. We cannot be another, you know, moment for uh, Placid Express. We cannot be another, you know, and especially with the, you know, this COVID situation, a lot of this moment for wiped out already. Uh, you know, the people, the, the agent-based exchange house, even the big, big remittance company, Finabola, uh, two billion dollar company, they kind of fall fall down. So it's it's a great way to position our company and take a leap. And make it easy. And cryptocurrency, we're not going for any kind of raising money through the cryptocurrency. We're just going to tap into a, a platform that that solves the problem. Instant transfer. Right now, you cannot do instant transfer, instant settlement. You cannot do. And you mentioned about XRP. XRP. Right now, I cannot, as a consumer, you cannot use the XRP. XRP is offered for you know some trial they are doing with. Uh, some companies from U.S. to Mexico, and there is a lot of inefficiency there also. Ripple is also struggling a lot of different ways. We are going to be offering something better than Ripple, and already we have lots of bank partners, especially all the banks in Bangladesh. 56 banks in Bangladesh will be part of our platform, settlement platform, which will be much, much smoother than Ripple. But I, again, you know, we have a strategy, and we're not going to be I've been here for a long time. I sustained for 10 years on, on this journey. So I know how to head it through. And obviously, we have to convince somebody who can, who can be you know, seeing this big picture. And I know a lot of people are scared about this space. You know, there could be, there are reasons, but there are a lot of opportunities also. There are lots of opportunities in this space. Thank you. Thank you. I would also want to uh, reply to the question just for just briefly. Um, 
you know, some of the things that I didn't share also is, our, you know, we're moving also to uh, the banking uh, aspect of it. We have a, uh, we have partnerships in banking where we have liquidity in uh, 170 countries uh, also. So uh, we have uh, access to uh, banking product. We have banking products that we're also rolling out with our digital currency also inside of the uh, SAC wallet with, uh, with the SEC card, uh, uh, business debit card. Um, also, uh, from a custodian, uh, we partner with uh, Kingdom Trust as a uh, custodian of uh, digital currency. Um, and I, I agree full, full heartedly, start small and grow your business from there. Um, one of the things are we've, we've gone from a top-down approach. Um, we realize that inside of our community, a lot of large uh, entities have more reach than we do. So through our partnership, so we're focusing on the partnerships and bringing in a lot of these large partnerships. And through those partnerships, we have, we're gaining adoption. So the adoption strategy of Sable Ascent is to partner up with uh, major entities like uh, you know, Black Farmers Association, uh, partner up with uh, the Black Business Chamber, uh, people who have a lot more traction than we do and use the currency to allow them to do it as they feel they need to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Max, you also wanted to comment? Yes, very briefly. All my colleagues, they already covered almost everything. I mean, for body, I mean, for me, as you no, you started this business based on a very kind, uh, I mean, addressing a big problem, which means the black community. And I do believe technology should do what politicians would be never, ever able to do. But in, because you're addressing this problem, how do you build up community? Because more than partnership, you, be, you need community. You need build up a sense of community where people come to you because they feel everyone be part of the same community. It's not that easy at all. When it comes to um, safe food, I mean, this is a massive market. Uh, P2P and trust is why it's huge. This is why you have so many people and so many companies working and trying to get in. So, which means for me, I mean, I love dreamers. So you guys are both a very big dreamer because you know you are mm, targeting huge market with huge dream. And I'm not here to cut your dream at all. I'm a big dreamer as well. But I me, mean, you have too many issues for me. First of all, license. I mean, you need banking license, which is not that easy at all. I've been working with guys in Africa. They are still coping with the government to have a license since two years ago. I mean, if you can get a license. It's a nightmare. You can't deliver anything. Uh, so you have you can have the best business model ever, but you don't have you can't do anything because you're not allowed to do. And and again, what about value proposition? Because P2P is again it's a huge massive market, but where do I, everyone is going there? Uh, Revolut, uh, I use Revolut uh, every day in London. Uh, they they have very well because they are seamless. I mean, it's very without any friction, and, but they are not covering exactly what they're doing, really. 
Uh, yes, I mean, I think value proposition is very important what you're doing. You start in yes, but you won't actually to now do in Bangladesh. And I suppose your all your revenue market traction comes from US. So you are now applying to Bangladesh what you learned in US, where competition is very high. You're moving to Bangladesh where competition is very low, probably. And after you need to move back to probably go to India where the market is huge, because I think is the proxy to your market and going on. Uh, I mean, it's challenging and you need a lot of money. I mean, five million probably is enough, is nothing. Maybe you can run away for some months. But after, as Andy told you, you need a lot of cash, seriously a lot of cash. Not, you know, I'm not talking about them, so uh, five, 10 million. You need hundreds of millions. I mean, you're talking about Revolut has one billion cash today. I mean, you, you are competing with this guy. In a very challenging market, you're competing with guys with bank account with billions, not millions. I Means it's going to be very difficult because customer acquisition, it's very, very expensive. Thank you. Thank you, and Sharon. Thank yes. you, and Sharon. Yeah, just can I make one comment on that? Is Revolut, is not in Revolut, but Revolut is not in the US. Revolut is not in Bangladesh. Revolut is not in India. Revolut is not in the US. They're not in Africa. So, you know, they have one billion, right? If I had one billion, I could do 10 times better than Revolut. And um, we are also going to, it's not like 5 million is enough. 5 million is probably going to last us in our, our next milestone. So it's like right now, if I go to somebody, 100 million, there's an investor, there's a cycle. I want to see first that you achieve something. So how do I trust that you're going to do these things? You are saying everything. So, you know, you need to show me a little bit more that, okay, you are, have done this. So this 5 million is going to help me to achieve that. So after 100 million, uh, we are going to be doing such things because we are not going to, I don't want to create a company like Uber. There is no way to sustain Uber. You know, I, you know we, we want to create real business where people are going to really pay you. So we have lots of uh, solutions because I'm a software guy. Our company is a software company. We are not buying a software platform from somebody and we cannot scale. We cannot change it. And a lot of companies like that. In Bangladesh, BKS, they bought it from somebody like Huai and they pay $10 million for their mobile apps. And I can develop that mobile app in $50,000. Because we're the software company. So we are constantly going to develop other solutions to end-to-end -end consumer solutions. Uh, for, for, you know, there is a huge market, untapped market, that nobody is tapping beside Western Union. They are doing a little bit of business payment. TransferWise, not doing the cross-border business payments. So there are, there are opportunities. If you know this space, and I, I know the space because... I know the top guys, and they are they are on our on board with us to come on board. Latin America, Ronaldo. This this guy was the founder of Western Union. There's a guy of the co-founder of MoneyGram. There is a guy who is the Finabler in in Dubai right now. He wants to coming on board. So we are bringing the technology and the and the legal aspect. So Federal Reserve banker we brought in right now. We have the license in Bangladesh through the central bank sponsorship. We have a license in the US. And we are to get a license in Lithuania, it, it will take one year. And it will take only $500,000 euro to get a brand new license. But I don't have to buy a brand, get a brand license. I can get it in two months in Lithuania. There is a credit union in Lithuania wants to sell. There is a, right now I have 10 banks in the US to, to, to buy for just $2 million. 
even that I don't want to give two million. I can give them half a million dollar, and I can give them some stock in the company, and I can, I can acquire. I can just acquire fifty percent of the bank for less than you know, like around half a million dollars, and I will have the control on the board. So you know, we want to create something that is going to be actually used for millions, millions of customers. It's going to help them improve their life, making the point sending. Still now, right now, myself, if I want to send money right now. It's a hassle. Today, I have to go to a either store, the Western Union. There are there are a lot of checking, checking, and it takes time five days to go over there in Bangladesh. If I do a bank transfer with the Central Bank Bangladesh, we are doing instantly because and then there is no pre-fund because we are using API. As soon as we deposit the money in the New York Bank, we send a message with the reference number. They check it. They get the money in the New York Bank. Boom! They, they release the fund. Other companies transfer-wise sending to Bangladesh. And PayPal, you mentioned PayPal is in Bangladesh. It's it's a hoax. It's a misinformation. PayPal was not in Bangladesh. They they just capital. They just did an advertisement like some country in politician in Bangladesh uh, because they bought Zoom. PayPal bought Zoom, and Zoom was in Bangladesh, uh, you know, since 2009. It's it's same like Western Union. You know, they was just send money from US to Bangladesh, and that is nothing new, right? Still now there is a half a million freelancers. They cannot create PayPal account. Or they cannot create any foreign account in Bangladesh. May I ask? So, just one question. They are not in Bangladesh. Who oh, I'm? Ali Baba. Payment. B cash. You know they invested twenty percent. I can't hear anything. Say again. Uh, Ali Baba. Ali Baba is not in Bangladesh. Okay. They, okay. they invested. The, the wallet, Bcash wallet, which is the largest wallet, they invested 20% equity in Bcash. So in the future, they have a plan, most likely. Yeah. Thank you, Inshallah. Thank you, Inshallah. Yeah. Uh, so I think most of my colleagues have already mentioned uh, a lot of feedback that I wanted to say, and I think they're all pretty much valid. Uh, but there's just two key points that I wanted to uh, point out. Um, is the community and the market. So these are the two areas that um, I think you guys should really focus on to, because this is um, the area that you, you, you understand best, right? If you're talking about Bangladesh or you're talking about the black community, um, these are the areas that you guys have um, initiated and want to focus on. And I think um, this is where you should really drill down to what you can do for them. And uh, the rest could be your competition. The rest could be, you know, giant companies and things like that. But first and foremost, I think um, your focus should be on your community and uh, the market space that you're working on. Um, yeah, that's all for me. Thanks. Thank you, Tally. I yes, I would like to comment. Um, just some takeaways. First and foremost, this is for Betty. I will be the elephant in the room, since I'm Black, to, to, to make a comment with the focus. I understand, I understand the needs. The needs are very, very real. But when you're looking at targeting the Black community, just like my colleague said, community, community goes beyond just you know, us Black people as a cluster. It goes into really understanding Black behavior. And for one, I know, I know as a fact, when it comes to adoption and, and adoption attack, 
Black people struggle with adoption. And if you had even a simple mobile wallet, maybe, but when you're moving into things like tokens and digital assets, education is key. And I haven't seen that pointedly, yeah? The other thing is, again, on the community, Black people supporting Black people. That doesn't happen. It's, it's unlike any other community. You find, you know, when Chinese get together, they work together. When Lebanese get together, they work together. But the Black community, in as much as it's nice and great, there's always that level of distrust and so on. So you have to, as my colleague said, drill down deep to see how you can meet them and how you can address that real adoption issue. The other thing is, if you're adding financial services around it, you do need to get a few people who have experience in the space, especially if you're, you said you you kind of mentioned like um, moving into, into the banking or the credit union space. I, I would advise you to get an advisor who's in the space and who has been delivering that. Third thing, I think this is just really key. Black people love branding. If you don't look good, they're not touching it. So my advice is to really get someone who's in the area of brand finance as an advisor to help you with branding. Once you're spot on with branding, then the chances of adoption is much higher. The other thing for both, uh, when it comes to payments, I've been in payments for very long, I can tell you this, it ain't about the tech. The tech's already there, the tech's proven. It's really not about the tech. It's all about the model and all about how you're addressing those pain points. And for the most part, the payment value proposition, we know the issues with cross-border payments. We know it costs a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that's key is usability. The user experience is important, one. Two, it needs to be much more than payments. You're not gonna get anyone just adopting just for a payment. They're adopting for something else. So I missed out on, from your present, both presentations, the, the opportunity for value add. The other thing too, so many people are in this space. And so you are pretty much in a red ocean. So realistically, the, a kind of refocus on maybe the infrastructure might be your best bet in terms of winning this game because there, there is, it's really, really a, a, a red market. But if you're running an infrastructure play, you move faster, um, much further. Thank you. I, let me, I, I would like to respond. Good. Those are great questions. Um, first, I, I want to uh, talk about the educational aspect of it. Uh, one of the things that we're doing in conjunction with the launch of the currency and the digital wallet is we're doing an educational tour. And on that educational tour, what we're doing is uh, we're doing a podcast. And um, before COVID-19, we were contracted with uh, 10 cities to come in to do a promotional tour. We're also going to go to Jamaica. We're going to educate uh, masses of populations of people or the cities were contracted to market to the people in disadvantaged areas, the business owners in the community. They were going to come out 
And also we had um, a, a panel where we're gonna sit and we're gonna talk to those individuals. So with the spread of COVID-19, that was put on hold. So what we did is we decided to take it uh, digital and we're gonna do a podcast. So one of the things we're doing with the business owners inside of our ecosystem is uh, starting at the end of this month, we're doing a podcast where we're going to highlight uh, four to five business owners a week where we're gonna talk about um, what is that adoption strategy of, of in your business? How are you gonna make, um, how are you gonna transfer, move to the blockchain space? Uh, and, and we're also gonna talk about how we can help them move to the blockchain space. Um, how are you gonna add cryptocurrency in your business? What is cryptocurrency? So there's gonna be a, a, where, a storehouse of information where people are going to be able to look and get that information. And like I said, we're constantly reaching out to uh, people on a high level as far as that implementation strategy into the community. Uh, one of the things um, our board, we have uh, SEC attorneys on our, on our board also. We have, like I said, in order for us to have a banking relationship, have a liquidity in 170 countries, um, there are individuals that have had 20 years of banking uh, in order for us to have that relationship. Um, they're also on our board and there's tons of others on our board. So it's not just the people that I showed on the panel. In order to, we understand in order to really move the business the way we need to move it, there has to be individuals and a multitude of spaces because it is very, very, um, uh, it's, it's a lot going on. Um, also, um, I agree moving into the uh, black community, there needs to be a face. Also, we, we do have influencers that um, that are, are going to be involved in our process to uh, to make that activity, to make the uh, people want to be involved with the uh, Sable System Project. So I agree with you uh, um, 100%. Uh, we, we've looked at those, um, aspects and we're, we're tackling them one 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 day at a time so I, I appreciate your comments thank you so much how, how much have you raised my do you mind if i ask how much have you raised uh, as far as far as uh raising capital uh, what we've done is we basically uh, finance a company ourselves through the um through our own personal uh financial lines and we have uh, uh, launched, created the, the, the wallet, uh, the coin, um, and all the other aspects, the relationships, the banking relationships, and through, uh, through, through the founding uh, members of uh, Sable Cent Coin Corporation. So we've basically, we funded the project ourselves. Um, is, that, is that your question? Uh, Sierra, you also wanted to comment? Uh, right, so just as um, a few closing statements, thank you uh, to Mr. Oliver for his presentation, also to um, Dr. Kadenker. I just want to say that I think that seed funding and early stage funding will significantly decrease in volume and more investment in companies that have traction with many users and rapid growth will capture the majority of the funding post-COVID. I also think that's where the token could possibly attain the market share with early stage companies. 
or companies seeking seed funding. Um, in particular, back to medtech, I think a pivot towards personalization is key. Uh, personalized nutrition services and personalized medicine will be the focal area of investment within the next decade, I think. And we've seen companies such as Viome, who you know raised 82 million in Series C last year, which uses at-home testing kits um, using microbiome sequencing technology to identify microorganisms in the gut and provides users with a personalized diet, nutrition and lifestyle recommendations and telemedicine will be rapidly moving in this direction as well. In the previous decades, we had the one size fits all approach to medicine, especially for minor health problems where you, you know, essentially physically go to the doctor, the doctor assesses you for five minutes, you receive more or less a similar prescription as another patient based on similar symptoms and you fill the prescription at the pharmacy. And we saw the rise of minute clinics pop up everywhere due to this. And now I think we're sort of moving away from that model and our DNA, particular genetic proclivities, our individual microbiome gut data will be analyzed and utilized in more of an integrative model of medicine where all recommendations will be personalized to the individual. And um, before the great lockdown, we already saw many innovators in this space. And I think, um, you know, such as you know, personalized immunotherapies in the treatment of diseases as cancer and even personalized cosmetic dental startups that allow users to straighten their teeth from the comfort of their homes. And despite some initial regulatory problems, I think this will be a trend that will re-emerge during and after the great lockdown. And um, as for me personally, I think biotech and medtech startups that can successfully pivot to be able to manage this data and diagnose users from the comfort of their own homes will be essential. And the collection of data, comprehensive data such as genetic information, lifestyle, sleep analysis, in addition to cross-referencing databases that are able to accurately diagnose diseases based on this personalized information, along with overall geographic trends, environmental factors, and drug and supplement interaction will be of the utmost importance in the new era of personalized med medicine. So in summary, in the next 10 years, although we are not necessarily replacing the specialist doctor, we are giving doctors more information than what they had previously had in the one size fits all model of medicine and also enabling users to monitor their own data in the comfort of their homes. And I'm looking forward to many startups who are specializing in the sector. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, our winner for today is Dr. Seifor Kandika, founder and CEO of PharmaCash. And um, just a quick round of uh, uh, our today's uh, pitch competition. So how do you find uh, uh, online pitch competitions to pitch your investment process? Just a quick word. Telly? I think uh, the online uh, pitch competition is actually uh, very I, I like it. I like it as a model. It's it's very to the point, and I think it allows for more feedback and comments than you would a normal, you know, traditional pitch competition. There isn't enough time to really go through it. Thank you, Andy. I think I think for the for the pitching, in order to. Um, to give very good feedback and uh, try to give more help to the companies. 
I think it would be good if we can stick it with uh, one one company, one pitch. Um, that would help us to uh, ask more questions in, in, in more detail and also at the same time help them uh, to realize their, their dreams and even at a later stage, you know, help them to find some uh, good investors. Because based on what I see, you know, it, it, you know the, if the session is too short, you know, it become like a, um, you know, it become like a one-way communication or, or kind of more defensive. So, you know, it would be good if we could have uh, uh, one, one company and that would benefit more for, for, the, for the startup. Thank you, Andy and Sharon. Um, I think the pitch competition online is actually a pretty good model, but like uh, Andy mentioned, uh, we probably need a bit more time. So if we were to allocate a, a, a dedicated time, like let's say an hour and a half or two um, startups, then I think it would be pretty more useful and the feedback would be actually better for them. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Sharon and Sarah. All right, as for me, I think I like um, listening to two or three startups, um, not just one. Um, however, if we were able to sort of, um, you know, sort of match up startups in the similar sector, such as medtech for, you know, sort of medtech specialists and fintech for fintech, I think that would be much more sort of appropriate to be able to sort of give them the feedback that they need. Um, but I don't have any problem with sort of listening to three or four startups at one time. I think um, shorter presentations are good. And um, if we want to follow up, then we can have follow up sessions, you know, asking them for more detail. Thank you. Um, Barry, uh, how was the beach competition for you? I really like the pitch competition. Uh, I guess one of the things that uh, I would like to see is uh, to have feedback. Uh, well, I got, I, we got that feedback, but I actually have, okay, what were the things maybe written down? What were the things that they liked? What were the things that they didn't like? What were the things that uh, they feel that maybe like a survey to uh, send back to the uh, business owner to show them, I, I, I think you should work on this. I, I, I like this, but I didn't like this. So that, that's one thing I would, I would like to uh, add to this uh, process. Thank you, Betty. And um, Seifo? Yes, yes. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's, it's very appropriate during this COVID time where I was used to go pitch and face to face in the community and investors, but this is a great opportunity to do that, uh, you know, when you cannot go out to stay at home kind of situation. I'm in Pennsylvania, I stay, uh, st still stay at home until June 5th. So it's a great, and I also found it very uh, uh, nice that we had open talk, like there was no cutoff time or anything, like you cannot talk more than 30 seconds. <laughs> Uh, so I think it was a very well, I mean, people had a lot of, you know, patience to listen for the last two, two hours, two and a half hours. So I received lots of great, great feedback, and I appreciate all of those uh, who gave the, the feedback about uh, Pharma Cash and what to do and what not to do. So I look forward to doing this more in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. I thank all our participants for our today's very in-depth discussion, both on the investor side and the startups. And um, uh, in just half an hour, we'll have a keynote of 
Matrilimer meet the blockchain unicorns. So please join us watching this uh, masterclass and join our other formats uh, such as roadshows, keynotes, masterclasses and startup leaders club. So I wish you all the best for the weekend and uh, we'll see you tomorrow also on the roadshow from Singapore where we also had uh, Sharon and Andy participating already. So see you all and good luck for the week.